Oh hey, you're listening to Pep Talk, a podcast launched during the national lockdown in April 2020 to celebrate and support our favourite New Zealand businesses. Join Grace Creft, ex-lawyer and former owner of Sweet Bakery and Cakery, to hear about how some of our favourite businesses built their brands, the ups and downs along the way, and what we can do to support them, both now and once business as usual returns. So, are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. All right, so for my second topic chat today, I have brought in some reinforcements. So to hear all about the world of crowdfunding, we are welcoming special guest expert Lucy Revel of The Residence. Wellington writer and blogger, Lucy is right now currently crowdfunding to self-publish her first book on Pledge Me. Lucy's book is called The Residence Made in Wellington. It is a beautiful design-led coffee table book full of inspiring stories about people who have been shaped by this creative and enterprising city that is Wellington. Lucy has smashed through her goal of raising $22,000 in just 13 hours. Now she's moved on to stretch goals to take it further and she's almost there already with like a week to go. So who better to educate us on how to raise money with crowdfunding? It can be such a valuable way to raise money to kick off your project or your business or a certain part within that and I know a lot of you are going to find this chat really helpful and inspiring. So join me for this quick 30 minute chat while I pick Lucy's brain on the whole process and get her pro tips plus hear a little bit of her personal story as well. Let's go. Hi Lucy, welcome to Pep Talk, how are you going? Hi Grace, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, good. I, I'm very excited to have you on for a chat. It is going to be a little bit different because it's one of the new topic chats that I'm doing, just kind of like hearing handy things about starting a business or a project in a bit more detail. So <clears throat> we've got you on, Lucy, to pick your brain all about crowdfunding because, of course, right now you are very much in the thick of crowdfunding. This campaign for your first self-published book, which is very exciting. How's it all going? It's going so much better than I could have ever hoped or dreamed, Grace. The book is called The Residence, Made in Wellington, uh, which is a lovely tribute to the city because it features now 40 stories of people who have been forged by the city. And the book itself will be printed all here in Wellington. And that was something very important to me that... uh, this project supported the local economy by being printed locally. Beautiful. Oh, it's, it just looks so special. And I've already pledged, so I've already got my copy with my name on it. So I'm very excited to see it. And like, oh, yeah, just also really excited to hear about the process and like what you've, what you've learned by kind of making this up as you kind of gone along with crowdfunding and everything. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of tips in there Uh, but I did think that it might be helpful for people listening just to hear a bit of the background in case they they haven't been following you and they don't know about your blog and everything so maybe you can tell us a bit about your life as you know within Residence of Wellington and where the idea for the book came from from that. 
Of course. So I'm, yeah, as you said, I'm Lucy Revel. I'm a passionate Wellingtonian who got into blogging because I realised that there were so many compelling characters who are committed to this crazy wild city. <laughs> uh, today I've blogged 175 interviews online on my website, theresidence.co.nz, uh, and I've done that for five years, and I've probably written over probably 600 blogs now, wow. blog posts. So it's been a real labour of love. Uh, so I've I developed a lot of community trust during these five years and decided to take a leap of faith to write the book that I'd always envisioned, a minimalist design-led photo book of editorial interviews that highlight the eclectic mix of charming and resilient people I'd met in the city. Uh, so it's all new content. It's brand new stories from some faces that have been on the blog before but revisiting those and many new faces that you'll have never seen and um, I have really kind of gone and taken you inside the people's homes with this book now on the residence I often would meet people around town like a coffee shop and just you know take a few snaps on the street but with the book I really wanted to up the ante and to go inside people's homes to give the reader a sense of really getting to know their personal style and how they reflect that in their space. So unlike a lot of city-led books uh, where it's about where to go, where to eat, maybe recipes of the city, this is a real insight into who a Wellingtonian is and how they live and I think we all love a snoop inside people's homes we love oh, to yeah. see how they do them up um, <laughs> how they reflect their how they reflect their personalities on where they live so some of the names in the book are uh, Richard Taylor 27 names Fat Freddy's Drops Moo uh, but also lots of regular ordinary Wellingtonians like uh, George Fowler who's Hugo Girl Mark Weir from Dorita, the Greek food truck Sophie Kisselidis, uh, just some really wonderful people who make the city special in a very uh, everyday sense out, outside of the spotlight a little bit. But just, you know, they're such incredible people who have taught me so much about life and talk about resilience, sexuality, identity, work. So, yeah, it's a real... Uh, look at Wellington as a city, which is very specific, but a lot of the themes of the book are universal. Yeah, oh, so many layers, fantastic. And yeah, I just love how you've kind of taken everything you've done with the blog and kind of taken it to the next level. Did you did you always want to have a book, like a physical book that you could touch and feel? I have always wanted, since I was a little girl, to be a published author. I um, fell in love with reading probably from Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House on the Prairie. And um, that continued through with Jacqueline Wilson books um, and lots of young adults. So I was always reading, particularly as a teenager and a young person. And the concept for The Residence was really born out of this incredible coffee table book, which I saw at Milk Crate when I was in my early days at university. And the book was called The, uh, the Selby. Um, so this was in around 2012. And at that time as well, Humans of New York was just starting to blow up on Facebook. And 
Um, I also had always really enjoyed the early days of blogging with people like fashion photographers such as the Sartorialist, Tommy Ton, and that sense of street style being democratised. So that's really, I suppose, where my love of this sort of book was born. And I think just, you know, I've always drawn since I was young and I'd always really draw people because I was quite interested in faces and clothes, personal expression um, in the body, in the face. And um, it, it was just sort of that lovely idea that you would have this delicious gem of an object that you could hold and you could look through at your own pace and leisure and just all the little details uh, that were shown in the photography. But at this point I'd almost like never picked up a camera, like maybe messed around with my parents' old digital camera that had a floppy disk at family Christmas, but I didn't do photography at school or at university, uh, so you know it was definitely so it was pre-smartphone cameras too so um that was where the idea was sewn seeing the selby book in 2012 and um really being a follower and a lover of blogs oh that's even more special eight years later and then it's almost in your hands which the delicious gem will be yours that's so cool Hey team, Grace here, just dipping into the chat to let you know that this episode has been brought to you with support from Hatch. And I kind of thought it was fitting to have this chat, which is all about crowdfunding and raising money, brought to you by another awesome money platform here in New Zealand. But unlike crowdfunding to raise money, Hatch is on the other end of the spectrum and helps you put your money to work in the US share markets. I don't know about you, but I feel like investing is something that's always been niggling at the back of my mind. Like, I really should look into doing something with this. It feels like it's something that you should set up for your future, but it's kind of a big beast and it feels like a bit too much of a challenge to kind of figure it all out. And I feel like that's where Hatch has been really great for me because I don't know anything about investing or much about share markets, but signing up for Hatch made it really easy. And I just kind of set up an account, had a bit of a play around just to try and get a feel for how it all works and how the investments are going to perform. So far, I have invested my money in about seven or eight different companies and funds. And it's really interesting to log on to Hatch and and there's handy charts there. You can see how they're performing and changing over time. So far, I think it is like one of them is doing way better than the others. But I know that this is a long term game. Plus, it's kind of a weird time for share markets and business, of course, as we know at the moment. So I'm trying not to stress too much about how they perform week to week. But if you do want to have a look and find out what this is all about for yourself, you can head to hatch.as slash peptalknz and the team at Hatch will load up your account with a bonus $20 when you top up $100. A big thank you again to the awesome team at Hatch for supporting Pep Talk. We are so grateful. All right, that's enough about investing money. Let's get back to hearing all about raising money from Lucy. And we heard a few weeks back from Shoba and Kieran all about the Pass It On cookbook, which is a bit of an overlap with you because I think you've talked to them as well. And they self-published their book too. And when I was talking to them, they told us a bit about the difference between working with a publishing company versus self-publishing. And I know from talking to them that they went with self-publishing because they were really wanting to keep that kind of creative control over the process. But I think that I saw from following you that you've said before that you were actually originally going to work with a publisher on this 
business. So what's the story there about why, you know, like why you ended up not working with them and and going down the self-publishing route for you? So I suppose that like the lesson I've learned from that on this particular occasion with this project is that, uh, and this is maybe like tip number one or tip, you know, a tip for any entrepreneur or um, person doing a creative project. Nobody knows your creativity and your business better than you do. And I thought I needed permission from somebody to go ahead with this project. Um, So it started because I was invited to join an agency in Auckland based on my blogging. And I told them straight up, you know, my great audacious goal, which I'd really not talked about or thought about too much until that point, was um, to write a book. And I thought that these were sort of the gatekeepers and they would give me the ability to do that. And eventually I was put in touch with a person from the publishing industry who worked at a publisher and they were um, dead keen on the concept. They basically said yes, sent me a few samples of their books they'd done and I wasn't totally, totally convinced on how it looked but I thought, oh well, I'll I'll think about that later. Um, Anyway... So uh, it was all go ahead, I was very excited, I reviewed a draft template contract and then um, found out that the publishing company that they worked for was going to sell to another publishing company and I was assured it wouldn't affect anything but I already knew that company sales take quite a while, they don't just take a month, they're usually several months. So by the time everything was settled, I was well into working on the book with no contract, which at the time my husband was like, why are you doing this? This is ridiculous. Um, Why are you doing all this work? You've got no um, assurance that you're actually going to be, um, you know, getting anything out of this. And I think I always knew at the back of my head that I had crowdfunding up my sleeve as another option. And that was because years ago, you know, I'm like, probably you Grace I love a bit of a like YouTube rah-rah sort of entrepreneurial YouTube video and I'm a big follower of Marie Forleo Um, and Marie Forleo had had Seth Godin on one of her podcasts many years ago that I'd seen on on YouTube sorry not podcast and I remember something he said that really resonated with me which was it should be called kick finisher not kick starter talking about the crowdfunding campaign Mm -hmm because he said what you need to do is to build up through years and years of work an audience base to um, basically take your thing to so that by the time that it's ready you can tap them on the shoulder and you need to crowdfund for it and say hey that thing that you've been waiting for for all this time it's done now and I really love that concept and it's never left my head like I can quote that back to you because it really just like lodged itself in my brain so anyway we got to December a few weeks before Christmas and I found out from this person that um, the new company decided not to publish my book because they didn't believe there was enough of an audience to be interested in a Wellington focused book it was too regional I just love what you said there about 
permission like that just really stood out to me from that story was just that you like and I think this comes up so much with lots of things that people try and do is that they feel like they need to wait for some higher power to say yes you should do that or yes you can do that and I'll help you do that and like I just love that you've shown that you know even if you got part of the way with that you don't actually need it like you learned you can just make it happen yourself totally but it never goes away like for me the first hurdles back five years ago and starting the blog were getting permission to do this and even after a year of blogging I talked to a magazine editor and I tried to pitch a story like hey I've done this thing I've interviewed 52 residents of Wellington in a year wouldn't this be a great story for your magazine and they looked at me and they said who are you to write about the people of Wellington and I remember at the time being like, because I'd grown up as a digital native, I was like, but it's for everyone. Like the internet is available for everyone. We can set up a blog, we can start an Instagram or whatever it is, you know, that's the thing of the moment. I don't know, there might be a great Wellington TikTok that we just haven't discovered yet. Um, but I think we're very still attached to this idea of gatekeepers, especially in this creativity, space of creativity. And it stops people from pursuing their projects because um, they want to be given permission. And ultimately, I still was given permission by a publisher to say they wanted to publish this project. And I don't know, with without that initial green light, if I had the would have had the sort of push that I needed to go ahead with it. Um, so I think in some ways, even though I didn't end up publishing with that publisher, you know, I have... Um, have them to thank for still mm, got you giving started. me that green light and that permission. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing that like pops into my head when I think about crowdfunding and that similar kind of space in terms of fears and things is the kind of fear of failure side of it. Because the way that you set it up, like if you don't meet your target, even if you're a couple of dollars short, which of course you haven't had to worry about, but you don't get any of the money and like everyone knows that you kind of failed on it a little bit and I guess that tap yeah like it taps into what people worry about so much with projects like this is around putting yourself out there and f and failing in front of everyone like did that was that did that kind of stuff cross your mind when you were planning it at all absolutely and in so many ways this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do so many layers of, of emotions and things involved in it uh, with the fear of failure and everything like that but I guess like in terms of actually how you make this happen with the crowdfunding, uh, you've got so many technical elements, I guess, like choosing which um, platform to use and uh, how much you ask for and all of that. So how what did that behind-the-scenes part of things look like uh, for you? I tried to do a few things to make sure that the campaign was as polished as possible so um, one thing you get told is you should do a video when you do a crowdfunding campaign so a great video um, that felt polished um, I got my awesome team who are producing the book to do two profiles in advance so we laid it out the way the book would look and um, most of the book's written so We'd, we have picked up some new stories just to round it out in the last few months um, but showing people as much as possible I got some fabulous help from another person who's a Wellingtonian Rebecca McMillan who helped me write my press release um, even though she's in Singapore and it felt like I was just like 
really, it's like, it was like a game of poker where it was like all in with my chips, like just calling in the favors where I could and anyone who had some PR experience or a bit of relevant help, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to beg for help because I felt like everyone knew how like this, how much this meant for me and like how much, I, how long I've been working on it for. So the like generosity was just really flowing. Um, hmm. And I'm sure your enthusiasm and your passion for it just really like pulled people along for the ride. Like people are attracted to, you know, people who are in, in their purpose and are like doing what they're meant to do. And that's like a magnet for people. So I'm not surprised that you kind of assembled this awesome team of people who have your back and are helping you push it along. But it's so funny because it really only came when this project went autonomous. And mm-hmm. I've found since so many things I've done in life, autonomy and owning what you do equals bringing the magic like yes yeah that's interesting eh? you're right because if you were working with this publishing company on this you know you wouldn't have needed to assemble these people because that would have all been done in-house they would have had an expert you know that you might never have met that did your layout and, and whatever whereas because you're putting yourself out there yourself these people are attracting around you yeah. Absolutely. So definitely, I think we had to do some, we had the video, we had to really know our numbers and financials inside out. So my husband and I spent eight hours going through that and then another separate like three or four hour session once we'd got some revised numbers from the publisher that we picked. Um, so we just really wanted to know what's the absolute minimum. Um, finding the right price point. So I actually went out with an Instagram poll to ask people and I noticed there was a real drop off between 40 to 50 dollars for the book i'm sure we could have still got there with 50 dollars but i think that that 40 dollar price point has been very appealing to people um and because of that i think that helped our goal kind of shoot up the fact that it felt like you know 40 dollars was something that um you know many people could afford to spend on this pledge me like not everybody Mm. obviously can do that yeah Yeah, like someone one person just donated ten dollars for no reward and they were just really lovely and honest and were like hey i I can't really afford much but i just you know they've they had the heart and the spirit to like want to go and support it which is awesome and i think that's what really matters um and i did do some lead-in so i had some videos i recorded myself and it's very like natural raw style on purpose just talking to my phone camera and just explaining why I was doing it when I was sort of doing it and asking for their help and I think that that's the hardest thing I've had to do is I've had to like literally say I need your help I need you to you know come support this and I don't think I've had to do that in that same way before like up till now Mm, it's the whole other side of it isn't it because you've got you've got it live and then like then you actually have to make it a success like you need to you need to get people to pledge and you obviously did it an amazing job on that so uh, yeah I'm sure you've got a lot of tips in this kind of promotion side of things because because before that you were always doing things for free right so your kind of model is like you put all this beautiful content out there people consume it and they're so used to getting you for free <laughs> and then now you have to ask them for money which is always awkward in any part of life <laughs> but like how did you what what did you learn about delicately kind of balancing that money side of things I don't think there is a delicate way to do it. I think you just have to be really clear in yourself that if someone came and asked you for a breakdown and you could explain it really clearly, um, no, nothing was left unturned. You know, the crowd me, the pledge me fund 
uh, you know, platform asks for 6.5% of what you make total. So we'd had to factor that fee in. Um, we had to factor in the cost of the editor, the uh, designer to lay out the book, some of the money around the marketing, and also just giving everyone in the book a copy of the book. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that blew my Things mind. Things you don't think about, right? Oh like my God, so that was like yeah. two grand just gone. <laughs> we were like, wow, yeah. how is that a thing? Um, but uh, I think that doing a bit of a lead time is good, but I also think that like, I was originally going to do this in August, like I was going to launch in like a week's time. And the thing that tipped it for me was that Vantage and Bill Sticker said to me, if you wait too long, there'll be no spaces left because we've got the referendums coming up and the election. So you won't get any space. It's all been booked out. So I had to make the snap decision basically to go in the next couple of weeks. And in some ways that was the best thing because it just really focused me in. I booked those um, poster slots, so I was totally committed, and um, it just meant that that time pressure really sharpened everything, and I knew I was like, right, I've got to start telling people that this is coming up, I'm not going to hit them over the head with it, but I've got to like take them on a journey with me, and part of that was being vulnerable about how the publishing uh, formal publishing road hadn't worked out and that I didn't want to wait any longer to try my luck with another publisher to wait for someone else to give me permission. You're so right about the timing thing like just having a kind of deadline on things makes things happen so well like it's it must have been quite stressful when you were like, oh my goodness, I have to pull this out so quickly. But like, actually, that would have been a big part of the success. Like, you just had to go all in, like you said, and just make it happen, like, smash it out. Yeah. And another thing, actually, this is a top tip that I was given by a really nice guy called Dave Schumach, whose wife owns Abel Oda. Um, he gave me a really great tip, which was, you know, I'd already been told to like start getting a pipeline going on. So, you know, we'd ask my mum, we'd ask Matt's parents. Um, then I had a wonderful conversation with a mysterious anonymous person who owns a Wellington business who at the end of it I wasn't asking them for money at all just suggestions around the marketing and they offered to foot five grand which was half the printing cost at a minimum and suddenly I had this eight grand pipeline wow. yeah. um, with, with plus Seashore Cabaret who kindly have purchased 40 um, so I was like whatever happens I've got this pipeline that I've sort of set up so that was a key point was like don't just hope people will find you you've got to get out there you've got to tell people you've got to build that audience base as much as you can as early as you can you should try if you can to get a few runs on the board with some pipeline build up and you never know I think just by having as many conversations on the phone or face to face for best results um, and then Dave said to me, do a, like, can you send people a pre-launch link? And Pledge Me doesn't actually have this in its functionality. But uh, Dave, this uh, recent Wellingtonian who has done a couple of equity crowd funds with his company that he works for, that's a Dutch e-cycle company, was like, getting people in early and being like pissed, you know, like pissed, you're in, you're in like, you know, um, on an exclusive early bird launch, 
and and sort of basically building up your uh, your people who are you know getting in on what you're offering early and hyping them up is really essential because what you do is you create this incredible halo effect and suddenly everyone sees you as successful and so they want to back you too it's the herd mentality um, and so even though technically I say that the crowdfunding campaign reached its target in 13 hours I actually launched it around about sort of one o'clock on the Monday it went live Just on quiet, 9 a.m. Yeah, sorry mm. guys, this is the exclusive. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it actually went live at 9 a.m. on Tuesday, but I launched it, you know, a little bit earlier before at one o'clock in the afternoon on Monday. And I just started sending people emails, which I'd already sent emails directly before, like to lots of people and said, hey, like, this is coming up, this is a thing, I really want you to get in, I really want you to help me. And so then by the time I sort of sent them off those emails, lots of people really got it. They understood. Mm. They were like, cool, I'm paying in right now, going, like going today. They planning to do it and then you gave them the easy... The green light. Yeah. And that was the point I was at just before the campaign launched. Like I'd literally done everything I could and I was like, I just need to go now like it's it needs to be launched into the world because I'm so rearing to go and there's nothing more I can basically do to prep this it just needs to be given the switch so that people can actually give their money that is what needs to happen right now good tip I like that so yeah that was really really successful so then by the time that it actually opened to my followers on social media they saw that the number like at 9am was 12 grand and that suddenly seemed like, oh my gosh, how did that suddenly come in? But I'd actually built that pipeline up over the previous 12 hours. Yeah, and this ends in, you've still got two weeks to go, and, and just today you've reached the new stretch goal, which was 30,000 already. Like, that is just insane. And I'm interested to know, like, what happens next? Because obviously the big moment is getting that money, which is going to be a great feeling for you when you've got the green light um, and that's in your pocket. But then you actually have to make the book happen, which is kind of like the next wave of everything. You've got to publish it and then you need to sell it. So what are you plan? Like, are you in the thick of planning that now, now that you know what's happening? Are you putting those steps into place to, to make it come to life now? So the, um, by the way, that dinging was my mother just messaging me with the new amount and saying, yay. Oh, cute. <laughs> so yay. she's been loving watching Your it. Your cheerleader. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically on Sunday, I just went through and added up all the new changes I'd made in the last few weeks. Um, and basically there is a lot of work to go on. I have created a big spreadsheet with everyone that has been... Uh, interviewed so far where that's at um, and the status of what they're doing uh, we have a lot of things we still have to learn like I'm still not entirely sure how the barcode thing happens um, <laughs> which is a, maybe you can tell me about that Grace how you yeah we, a we can help you out with that bit <laughs> um, and there's things like I have to get an IBAN number from the National Library um, but I am so fortunate with the people I have around me in my community that I feel like if I have any questions they'll help me um, and there's a lot of work ahead like a lot of evenings and afternoons you know of, of trying to get through the pipeline but I think that the thing is I always knew I could write this book because 
I'd already done it. Like I'd already interviewed 150 Wellingtonians. So the only thing that was different was that I was just going to need to kind of get the technical stuff around it right. And it might be a little bit more complex, but in terms of sitting down and actually transcribing an interview, that's the hard part. Like that's the bit that is a little bit hard to psych yourself up for. You've already got that down, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I'm like now just trying to psych myself up for the next 10 interviews. Yeah, right up. yeah. But we'd love to print it in hardback. That would be the dream. Um, this, yeah, has just been a wonderful opportunity to just really double down on what I always always wanted to do, which was to create my version of the Selby book, my version of Humans of New York, but make it about Wellingtonians and make it real, make it something that people could enjoy on their coffee table for years to come. And hopefully lots of you out there listening to this will take the opportunity until the 25th of August um, to pre-order yourself a copy of the book and we'll pop a link in the show notes so if you're listening on your phone you can just go into the app and you'll be able to click straight through and can I tell you something Grace too I am so honored to be on your podcast because I'm an enormous fan of podcasting in general and I just think that yours is so beautiful and you speak so well with your guests Oh, thank you, Lucy. I really appreciate that. It's, yeah, very similar to you, that it's quite scary putting things like this out there. So, uh, yeah, your support is very much appreciated. Thank you. And uh, we better wrap up uh, because 30 minutes just flies by when you're deep into a topic like this. And I know we could keep talking all night. But before we kind of call time on things, maybe you can, if you can choose just one, like, top tip or piece of advice that you've learned about crowdfunding for anyone listening who's, who's thinking about it. I think that the top tip I would have is to have as many conversations with people who've done crowdfunding in the past because generally people are really generous with their knowledge and they will tell you what they did and they will give you advice about how to make it successful and the more people that you can talk to, the more that that advice will kind of filter through and you will come to your natural sense of this is what I need to do. Nice. That is a very good tip. All right. So thank you so much. Thank you for being so generous with all of the story and the tips and your, you know, all those little nuggets that you've learned along the way. Like I just knew that you would be the best person to talk us through this whole process of crowdfunding, given how successful this has all been for you. So thank you for sharing that with us. I'm sure it'd be very valuable for people who are thinking about it. So thanks, Lucy. Thank you so much, Grace. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Well, there you go. I just knew that Lucy was going to have so many great tips all about crowdfunding. And, you know, like just on kicking off a personal project or a creative project in general. And I was not wrong. I especially found it really valuable to hear what she had to say and what she learned about not waiting for permission or asking for permission to start a project or hobby. I know it's hard and easier said than done, but just give yourself permission and go for it. Like we heard in the chat with Lucy, she is really close to reaching her next stretch goal. So if you can help her get there, head over to her Pledge Me page to find out more about it. The link is on her Instagram page, plus I will pop it in the show notes for this episode. Donate if you can and get your name down for one of the very first copies of this beautiful book. It's going to be great for Christmas presents. (laughs) I really hope that you enjoyed this chat that I had with Lucy and found it helpful as well. It was a lot of fun. If you have any feedback about 
anything to do with pep talk and uh, about the topic chats in general any ideas or thoughts I'd love to hear them. So best way to get in touch is on Instagram at peptalknz. Uh, you can also head to my website peptalk.co.nz and get in touch. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And until next time, bye.